Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, December 16th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. We'll talk a bunch of college football here for week 16, including several different conference championship games. Then we'll spend the second half of the show on college basketball with some notes, a couple of game breakdowns, all kinds of good stuff here coming your way on this edition of the podcast. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on. Just wrote up a sportsbook promotion for DraftKings here this morning for next Tuesday, opening night of the NBA. Get any one of the four teams in action, the Warriors, Nets, Lakers, or Clippers, at plus 75 from DraftKings Sportsbook. That's for both new and existing users. You can read about that over at the website. Good offers coming up on Thursday Night Football from BetMGM Sportsbook. Bet $1, win $100 in free bets for any touchdown scored in that game between the Chargers and the Raiders. And, of course, we talked about that one on yesterday's show with Brian Blessing talking about how hard it is right now to bet a Raiders under. So we should see some points in that one. Certainly at least one touchdown. So you can read up about that BetMGM promo over at ATS.io. To go along with picks, predictions, all kinds of good stuff for college basketball, college football, as well as the NFL and the NBA when that gets going next Tuesday. Finally, make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or you can find links to download that over at ATS.io. You can buy premium model selections in there. You can buy a subscription for that, 10 bucks a week, 20 bucks a month. And you also get full article integration from the website to go along with a bet tracker and odds screen. And you can read up on all the different sportsbook promotions that we write about over at the website. So download the Against the Spread app today. Have all the power of ATS.io right there at your fingertips. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, how's it going today, buddy? Going pretty well. How about yourself, Adam? I'm doing all right, man. Although uh, both of us dealing with some of that ugly white stuff outside. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready for as much as I like college football, college basketball, so on and so forth. I'm ready for 70 degree weather again. Uh, we got a ways to go for that. So you better uh, not not get too excited about that kind of weather. And I have to say, while I don't love snow myself, it is kind of exciting for me because my kids get so excited about snow. So for a little bit, I, I kind of like snow. Yeah. Oh, no kids for me. I'll, I'll pass on the <laughs> snow for sure. It's not like I get snow days or anything like that anymore, but uh, Monday, first day of winter, it finally, you know, st- gets uh, light out for a little bit longer. I'm tired of this dark at four o'clock shit. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that either. I never know what time it is or like, you know, we'll, we'll wife and I'll have dinner and then we'll sit down to watch something on Netflix or Hulu or prime or whatever the hell else we have on our TV. And we'll watch something and I'll be like, all right, time for bed. And it's like eight 30. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm over that, man. Yeah, that it, it is nice to have a little bit more light, and I I do miss the the nine o'clock sun going down in the summertime. Yeah, absolutely. So we got a lot to talk about here on the college football side. From a topic standpoint, I don't think there's really much to say this week, other than to throw out a cautionary tale that you know in these conference championship games, everybody's motivated. In these regular season finales that have kind of been. Uh, you know, hastily thrown together or, you know, rescheduled from earlier on in the season, I would tread a lot lighter with those. Yeah, those games are are difficult to handicap because um, 
a lot of these teams don't care. We've seen some instances here in the last couple of weeks of teams not caring and, and it went really poorly. You know, we, we can reference the Arizona game right away, obviously as one where a team, I mean, frankly, they wanted to be anywhere else other than at that game, it seemed like, and obviously Sumlin, you know, pays the price and, and Sumlin was, you know, he should have been gone before now probably, but you know, this is a, a dangerous time of the year to be betting regular season games, especially if those two teams don't have some reason to hate the other team or have some, you know, rivalry going on because we really don't know who cares and who doesn't, you know, we can kind of guess, but I don't think the the best way to handicap these games is guesswork. So, you know, we don't want to get into the guesswork too much. You know, I think that the lines are pretty tight for a lot of these games, both in uh, conference title games and in the regular season games. You know, I, I'd be cautious about making a bunch of bets in college football in general right now. Now, I'll say this at the outset. A lot of my conference championship lines are very close to the number. I do have a few of these, you know, last minute regular season games that are kind of off. Uh, Wake Forest, they're six and a half point favorite. I have that game line 12. Uh, Arizona State, Oregon State. I have Oregon State plus one. Mark it out there, seven. Even seeing a couple of stray seven and a half showing up now with the Sun Devils, a road favorite, coming off of that big rivalry game blowout. Other than that, you know, I don't really have a lot of big overlays this week, anything I'm super excited to play. There are a couple of games I'm kind of wondering about. Nebraska Rutgers, you and I talked about this before the show. I don't know why Nebraska's taking money there, not just because my number's five, but simply because Nebraska last week lost to a Minnesota team, missing about 30 different players for a variety of reasons. Rutgers, you know, with Greg Schiano, they seem invested. They seem engaged. They know Schiano's going to be back. I don't know if we know that for sure with Nebraska and Scott Frost. I would think so, but maybe not off of that showing last week, and especially if there's a poor showing this week. And the other one that's kind of interesting to me is Illinois and Penn State, where Penn State, we talked about this earlier on in the regular season, they were better than their record would indicate. They had badly outgained and outplayed some teams, but had just been on the wrong side of those decisions. Here this week, they take on an Illinois team that just fired Lovey Smith. And while Lovey Smith's results weren't great at Illinois, I do think that the players really liked him, and that's why it took you know five full seasons before he got a pink slip. I would not be the least bit shocked with a complete no-show from Illinois here this weekend. No, I wouldn't either. I think that this is a really dangerous spot for uh, Illinois. You know, I've never been excited to bet Penn State after they started that poorly because we didn't know what kind of motivation level they would have. But you would think they would be a lot more motivated than Illinois would in this one. Illinois just lost at Northwestern last weekend. That's really a pretty big game for them, a, a bit of a rivalry. So, you know, you would have thought they'd be up more for that game than they would for this one. So I agree. I could only lay the points there with Penn State. Um, I agree with you on the Arizona State and Oregon State line, too. Um, I think Arizona State getting a lot of love for what they did last week in that one. And, you know, I mean, I think we could at least say that Oregon State's likely still trying. You know, they seem to be playing hard. They're well coached. Don't know if Jefferson's going to play in that one, and that could make a bit of a difference. So we'll see as we get later in the week. But seven and a half is quite a few points. Yeah, it definitely is. There'll be one more regular season game we'll talk a little bit more in depth on here during our game breakdowns. But we start with Friday's conference championship games here. We'll do a highlight video on Oregon and USC in a couple of minutes. But UAB and Marshall, Marshall five and a half point favorite, total 42 for this one. 
Good thing it's not being played today because weather would appear to be a pretty big factor uh, across large swaths of the you know Appalachian states, the Eastern Seaboard, all of that. But you know something that kind of slipped past me last week, and I hadn't made a power ratings adjustment, but I did for this week. UAB got Tyler Johnston back last week, and he didn't play overly well against Rice, but he's certainly better than the other guys that they had playing. My line five and a half in this game, right on the market. Like I said, the total 42. You think about making any play here in the Conference USA title game? Well, the only way I could look at this one would be taking UAB plus the points. Um, You know, if we look at such a low total and getting any kind of points, it obviously matters more than what it would if we had a total of 60 or 65 or something. So um, there's a couple angles I wanted to share about this one because they both fit here. You look at small underdogs with low totals. In these spots here, I'm pulling this one up as we're talking here on Bet Labs. Um, you know, this is one where both the low spread, you got a spread between three and 14, so a small underdog and a total of 48 or lower. That underdog is 56.3% here in the last 15 years, and that's a large, large sample size. So we're talking almost, yeah, about a thousand games. So you know, certainly uh, an edge to be had there. The other thing I wanted to say is, and this is a really kind of a strange uh, angle. I don't know. I'll, I'll see if you think this has any credence as to future um, predictivity or not. But, you know, fade home favorites after they scored less than 10 points in the next game. So Marshall fits that. They're favorite at home, score less than 10 points in their last game. And they're 283 and 190, so 60%. And that one goes back to 2005. So, you know, we've got a 60% sample of 283 and 190 fading that team. So here that would be fading Marshall, because if you look back at Marshall's schedule, you know, Marshall had that really poor showing against Rice in their last game, losing 20 to nothing. That was really uh, Grant Wells just turning the ball over like a machine. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Marshall's as good as some people think. And we said all throughout the course of the season that that day was coming, that Marshall was going to be a good fade. That day was against Rice, obviously. Um, I had the under in that game, so I was okay with it. But, you know, I still think that UAB is a really well-coached team. Bill Clark is a tremendous coach. If you look at UAB, they missed a ton of people last weekend from contact tracing and COVID. I was reading that they're going to get just about everybody back, including Spencer Brown. So, uh, UAB much closer to full strength than what they have been recently. I can only look toward taking the points here. I don't have any opinion on the total. It's right what I made it. Yeah, I like UAB in this one too. My number actually five, not five and a half. Apologies for that. We've talked a lot about Marshall this year and a lot about Marshall and the very weak schedule that they played outside of when Appalachian State came up to Huntington. And you and I, we've seen them as a regression candidate a few times over. And when you look at them here this season, Ninth in third down conversion rate on offense, ninth in third down conversion rate against on defense. UAB, for what it's worth, 12th in third down conversion rate against. So I don't think Marshall has as much third down success here. And I think their third down defensive success is more of a byproduct of who they've played over the course of the season here, kind of when they've caught those teams in terms of COVID and all that kind of thing. So I agree. I think UAB is the side here, a healthier UAB team with Johnston. I think both of these head coaches, both Clark and Doc Holliday, very, very strong. But just looking at the full body of work and how we've isolated Marshall as a regression candidate, 
I think the team to play here is UAB in this one on Friday night. And despite not really having any power ratings advantage in this game, I will take a piece of UAB here. I don't think this line goes up at all. I think it only goes down. So five and a half is probably about the best we're going to do unless something else happens on the COVID front for UAB. Yeah, I wouldn't think it would get better than five and a half with that low of a total. Um, I, I think the risk is more that it would drop rather than go up. All right, so we take a look at the MAC championship game here. This one at Ford Field in Detroit, Ball State and Buffalo. And we're starting to see some 14s pop here on Buffalo. And that's not really that big of a surprise. I, as this line went up from 12 to 13 to 13 and a half, it was really only a matter of time before 14 showed up. The question is if 14 is a stopping point or not total in this one, 67 and a half. So Caleb Huntley, uh, ball state's top running back opted out here. So he, he won't be in this game. Um, I think ball state's still a good team, obviously, but ball state without their top running back certainly hurts them. I think that's part of the reason this line has moved to what it has, you know, Buffalo to me is a team that is hard to bet against. You know, I think they're clearly the class of the Mac. They're so much better than everybody else in the Mac. I'm very cautious to bet against them. You know, looking at this total, Ball State plays really fast. If you look at tempo, Ball, Ball State's ninth in the country in tempo. Buffalo is 111th. So we have clashing styles as far as pace. But Buffalo is first in the nation in yards per play so far this year. That actually surprises me. 7.56 yards per carry. I think that probably says more about, well, obviously Jared Patterson is really good, but it says more about Mac defenses than anything else, to be honest. I mean, they, they just don't have anybody that's very good at stopping the run. And Ball State's not that good at stopping the run either. They are better at stopping the run than the pass, uh, really weak against the pass. But, you know, I don't see how either team gets stops very consistently here. Um you know, whether or not an issue with where this one's being played. So I would want to lean to the over, but 67 and a half is too high for me. I, I made this game 66. I would want to take the over, but I can't take the over at that number. So, you know, it's hard to lay 14 points or 13 and a half here with Buffalo. So I guess I'm kind of talking my way through thinking this really is a good pass. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to play anything on this game either. And, and this is one where, you know, I actually, uh, I have this lined at eight. This is the biggest overlay I've got in any of these conference championship games. And initially I thought to myself, okay, I get it. I understand inflating Buffalo a little bit because you're going to get a lot of pretty one-sided money on this game. It's going to be very hard to get people to place a ball state ticket. So my thought was, all right, this line shaded a little bit high. I'm not going to worry too much about it. It's not a game that I really wanted to play anyway. And then I watched the line kind of keep running out a little bit. And as I said, now seeing some 14s out there in the global marketplace. And maybe I just don't have Ball State power rated correctly. Maybe Buffalo is a better team than I have them listed at. I don't know. But all I know is that this is not a game that I'm looking to play, whether it's side or total pre-flop. What I will look at, though, if I get a chance to watch this one on Friday night, if Buffalo gets ahead they're probably going to stay ahead because they can salt games away. They've got that excellent running game. They're going to try to get everybody some numbers here in this one. So if I see that Buffalo is having a ton of success running the football early in the game, I don't expect that to change. And maybe I'll make a live play on Buffalo, uh, you know, or a live ball state team total under something like that. Yeah, I was going to say you could argue maybe bet an under if Buffalo scores quite a bit early in the game because Buffalo will play slowly, try to run the football a lot. So maybe if you get 
uh, you know, a total live of 75 or something like that with Buffalo up early, you could get a good um, game under. I will say, like I said, I don't really like the the full game under, as you say, pre-flop because, you know, I'm afraid that both of these teams can score quite a few points in these conditions. Well, and you wonder too for Ball State here, I mean, you know, look, I don't think that Mike New is an idiot. I, I think he realizes that he's got to put points up on the board and now not having Huntley, you know, does that encourage Ball State to throw the football around a lot more? Will that kind of dictate the game plan? And again, that's something that we won't necessarily know until this game starts, but it could end up being a pretty good live betting angle as this game goes along. With that, we move to a highlight video here for the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon and USC game 251-252. I'm ATS radio host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, this wasn't supposed to be our Pac-12 championship game matchup. It was supposed to be Washington. They are unable to play because they wouldn't have enough players available. Like I saw, they wouldn't even have an offensive line for this game, which would make it pretty difficult to beat anybody with the exception of maybe Bowling Green or Akron. But they're taking, you got USC here in this game. Three-point favorite, total 63. This one will be played at the Memorial Coliseum in Los Angeles. So does that impact the handicap for you at all? You know, this is a good good game to handicap, in my opinion. I think this is a fun game, one of my favorite of the weekend. In fact, you know, with Washington having the issues that they were, I think this is certainly a better matchup than what it would have been with Washington because Oregon still has a high upside. I don't think Oregon has really showed that upside yet, but I think they're very capable. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I want to lean toward Oregon in this game because getting three and a half points some places now, I don't like laying points with Clay Helton. You know, Clay Helton's not a very good coach. I'm not really saying I think Crystal Ball's a great coach either. Um, you know, Oregon has actually recruited better than USC in some of these recent seasons. Uh, if you look at this game, though, Slovis is a tremendous quarterback. And, and Oregon's secondary, which was supposed to be good, has not been good at all. I, I still don't know what's going on with Oregon's defense. Their defense is far worse than they should have been. Their offense has been good. You know, Oregon has an explosive offense. So the way I want to look in this game is over the total. Uh, this has been bet up a little bit now here to 63, but I still think 63 is a pretty fair number because both teams play with pace. Both teams get a lot of uh, big plays on offense. So we're not talking, you know, moving the ball down the field at uh, four or five yards a clip we're talking about getting big gainers 15 20 yards at a time so I think there's going to be a lot of big plays in this one I think it's going to be a back and forth affair and with the spread what it is I would suspect that this could be a back and forth shootout type game instead of one team getting way ahead and trying trying to burn the clock and obviously we have a chance for an overtime so uh, I'll look toward over 63 is my favorite play in this one yeah, I definitely think that's an excellent look here. And in fact, I'm seeing that there still are some 62 and a halfs out there. If you really look hard enough, I think the over is the play in this game. As far as a side goes, you know, again, as you mentioned, Oregon's defense has been very underwhelming this season, thought to be a strength, but you know, nothing against Jimmy Lake, who I think is a very good defensive coordinator. I would have been a little bit concerned about him game planning here as somebody who's doing this for the first time in a conference championship game as a head coach I think a guy with like Mario Cristobal who has more experience a guy that you know we know as a closer as a recruiter guys like that really understand and appreciate the value it has to win a conference championship game so I think Cristobal has an advantage here over Clay Helton especially considering that this game was announced what Monday morning I believe 
that, you know, Washington wasn't going to be able to play. So it's a quick turnaround for both of these teams. I'm sure they had an idea that it was coming, but I think in that shorter window, I trust Cristobal's team to be ready more so than I trust Clay Helton's team. And something else too is that, and I've watched a few Oregon games here throughout the course of the season. They're a good second half team. They make good second half adjustments. I know they had some issues in the second half against Oregon State in what we used to call the Civil War. But I think Oregon is a team that can come out of the locker room for the second half looking a bit better than USC as well. So over is a look. I'm considering Oregon plus three pre-flop. But I think Oregon from a live standpoint or Oregon as a second half play uh, will probably be the way I'll approach this late game on Friday. Yeah, and one more point I wanted to make is Oregon played really well in this Pac-12 title game last year. Remember when Utah had a chance to to do something special and Oregon came out and just hit them in the mouth. So, you know, Oregon did not play last weekend. USC did in that rivalry game. You could certainly make the uh, argument that Oregon is in a better spot than USC in this game. And I'm also surprised, too, this line hasn't come down. I think there's a chance that it does because USC – they won and covered last week, but they were not the better team in that game. UCLA was not only covering that number, but winning that game for a pretty decent part of it. So I'm a little bit surprised that there's not more of an anti-USC sentiment here. In other words, what I'm saying is if you like Oregon, I think you may want to do it because I think this is a line that does move down as we get closer to the game. But there's a comprehensive breakdown from us here on ATS Radio for Oregon and USC Make sure you subscribe to the full editions here of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream and download your podcast content. Like I said, one regular season game I wanted to go a little bit more in-depth on, and that's Air Force and Army. Air Force, two-and-a-half-point favorite, going cross-country to West Point, total of 37 for this one. And we talked about the Army-Navy total last week, and Apparently, it couldn't get bet low enough because it never came remotely close. I think there were, what, 15 total first downs in that game, something like that? Oh, man, I don't know. But, you know, I watched a decent amount of that game, played in the fog, and and uh, I don't – some people say, well, the fog made that game lower scoring. I don't think they would have scored enough points regardless of what kind of weather they were in. Navy couldn't move the ball in that game. So, you know, in this one – as you look at this game, I started to look at betting the under 38 and a half earlier in the week. And I thought, well, I couldn't bet under 38 last week when they were playing against Navy. And now Army's playing Air Force, who does have a better offense, certainly. And uh, Air Force not great defensively either. So I think that this total has been adjusted downward a decent amount because of last week's game. I don't want to bet the over. I certainly don't want to do that. These two teams have played some really low scoring games between each other against each other as well. So in this one, I'm kind of hoping for like an early score so I could bet a live under because if we can get a number better than 37, uh, you know, maybe we get an early 42 or something like that on a live in game number. I think the under is still probably a good look. It's just 37 is a tough number to bet an under on. As far as the side, you know, you could make an argument that Army was so up for last week's game that this is a really tough spot for them. However, I do think Army might be the better team of the two of these. So this is a really complicated handicap because they're getting points now. And Air Force, I'm not convinced Air Force is a great team here. 85% of the bets are on Air Force. So apparently everybody is thinking that, you know, last week was Army's big game and now it's Air Force's turn. 
Um, I think I'd be cautious about laying the points here with Air Force, but I don't know that I'm going to get involved. Yeah, I mean, this is a really intriguing handicap because you've got Air Force in a position to win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy for the first time since 2016. They beat Navy 40-7 to earlier on in the year. So I think that may be having a little bit of an impact on this line where Army only won 15-0, Air Force blew out Navy uh, in Colorado Springs. But the thing that's interesting to me is that Army is never in this situation. They never play a game immediately following the army navy game you know they may go to a bowl game and they've certainly done that a fair amount here recently but they at least have some time before they end up going to a bowl game they do not play the following saturday after the army navy game so this is a really challenging spot i think for army in that respect so maybe that would drive me to air force minus two and a half maybe that's why this line's going up maybe it's the result for air force against navy earlier on in the year Also, interesting travel for Air Force coming all the way across country to West Point. Fascinating game to talk about. I just don't know how much betting value there is in it. Agree. I think that uh, tough spot for Army, certainly. I just don't know that Air Force is that good of a team. So, you know, we're we're nearly laying three points here with, with Air Force in that low of a total I think that at that point you're getting to where this this line may be a bit extended. I do understand, like you said, certainly isn't a good spot for Army, so I'm not excited to bet that side. Uh, I'll watch this game, but I don't think I'll bet it. All right, so we'll head back into the conference championship games here, and I think we can kind of go through this one quickly. I don't think either one of us are going to have too strong of takes on the Big tw- Big Ten, excuse me, championship game Northwestern and Ohio State. The rules bent to let Ohio State in, but I mean, look, they should have been. You know, there's no reason that Indiana, who lost to Ohio State, should have been in this game. There's no reason that Penn State should have been in this game. No reason that Maryland should have been in this game or anybody like that. It should be the Buckeyes. The conference makes money when you get a playoff team. It's that simple. It's very cut and dry. I'm sorry that you don't like Ohio State, but it's about money in college football, and it always will be. And I'm not even saying that just because I'm a Buckeye fan. I'm saying it because I'm a realist about what the NCAA is actually about and what all the networks themselves are all about as well. So Ohio State should win this game. It's a matter of by how many points they do. They're favored by anywhere from 20 to 21. Total of 57, which was 59 early in the week. That caught me off guard because Northwestern's offense is awful. I thought that total was too high, and we do see it moving down here. Yeah, you know, looking at this total, I think it's a tough one because Ohio State's an over team and Northwestern's an under team. So who's going to, you know, play their style of game? Northwestern clearly doesn't want a high-scoring game. They can't win a high-scoring game against Ohio State. Um, I don't think Northwestern can score that much on anyone. And Ohio State's defense, while it is weaker than it has been, is still better than some of the other defenses that Northwestern hasn't scored very much on. So, you know, if I had to bet a side here, I'd bet Ohio State minus 20 and a half. I think Ohio State is uh, just so much better talent than is Northwestern. At the same time, Northwestern has a good uh, – they, they have a way of making these games closer. Special teams touchdowns, winning the turnover battle, things like that. It wouldn't surprise me if this game's a bit closer. I think this line is really um, spot on. As far as the total, I had 57.5 for my total for this game. So I really don't have any lean on the total either. I do think that, you know, it is – fair for Ohio State to be in this game I mean only one of their cancellations was because of them 
And I mean, look, the Big Ten was just kind of making up things as they went this year anyways, obviously. So, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Ohio State, and I understand that. Um, I think it's fair to say that Ohio State could be in a bit of trouble uh, in the playoffs this year because they don't really look like they're as good a team this year. And uh, both of both of us try to be really objective with our uh, takes on Ohio State. So, you know, I'm not saying Ohio State's a wonderful team and they're going to go in the playoffs and win it. I don't think they will. At the same time, the Big Ten really has just been really bad, you know, so it's hard to find somebody else, like you said, that's even deserving. So uh, I think Ohio State would be my lean in this game, but I don't like betting Ohio State games, you know that, and um, I don't think there's any real value here anyways. No, I don't think so either. 19 and a half, my number. Like I said, I agree with the total coming down. Maybe there's a live betting opportunity here. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Ohio State's going to look at the outset, uh, you know, not having played a whole lot lately, but, you know, I still think that the Buckeyes are, in pretty good shape here for the most part for this game. What about the big 12 championship game here? Game 231, 232, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Much more interesting game to talk about here. Down in Arlington should be a pro-Oklahoma crowd for whoever decides to uh, commute down to this one. Oklahoma minus five and a half, pretty much the predominant number across the market. Total anywhere from 57 and a half to 58 and a half, depending on what the book needs. And if there's been a thorn in Oklahoma's side, it's been Iowa State. Absolutely. And uh, Oklahoma has played pretty good football, especially their defense has really improved. I'm impressed with um, how Oklahoma's defense has gotten a lot better this year. Obviously, a good defensive coordinator makes a big difference. I will say, I have to say it when we talk about Iowa State games and they're an underdog. Matt Campbell as an underdog has been money in the bank. Uh, as an underdog at three points or more, 27 and 12 ATS. So I hate to bet against Campbell. I can't do it here. I think this should be a close game. And this is one that I'm looking forward to watching. You know, I want to bet the under here. And that sounds crazy to say, but because they scored so many points earlier in the year, um, I think the under might be the right side, but I, I, I'm worried based on how many points they've scored against each other when they've played in recent matchups. So I don't know about this one. Um, you know, I, I know I sound a bit like a broken record, but I think it's, I think it's fair for us to say that, you know, when these lines get tighter, I don't want to just come out and tell everybody listening, Hey, you got to bet this side, this is free money. I don't, I, I don't want to do something like that because I feel like it's uh, kind of disingenuous. You know, if I don't want to bet my own money on that game, I don't want to tell you to put a bunch of money on the game either. So um, this one is a tough one to bet. I think if I had to bet this game, I'd either bet Iowa state or the under. Yeah, I think the under is kind of the way to look here in this one. I do have Oklahoma minus seven, so maybe a little bit of value on the Sooners. Maybe I would take them minus five, minus four and a half, something like that, if this line starts coming down. For right now, though, you know, as you said, Campbell as a dog has been great. Both of these defenses playing very well down the stretch. What gives me pause here about Oklahoma is I don't know enough about Spencer Rattler yet. You know, I just, I don't know if if I can trust him in a game of this magnitude against a very good big 12 defense. You don't get a lot of good defenses in the big 12. Iowa state is one of them. So Rattler could very well, you know, wind up having some turnover issues in this game that could either keep it close or swing the balance in terms of the total with some short fields for Iowa state. So I think this line is very tightly lined. I think the total is pretty good as well. And I think the money on the under that we've seen so far reflects how both of these defenses have played in the second half of the year. I think it's a fair assessment to make of this game. So again, 
I don't think there's a lot of betting equity in this one, but, uh, you know, very interesting matchup and a good one to talk about here on today's show. We will do a highlight video here on the Sunbelt Championship game, 233-234, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. I'm ATS Radio host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And we haven't had a lot of strong positions here on today's show, but you and I have a, a pretty good consensus opinion here on what we like between Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. Yeah, so um, I'll take a little bit of time to give a bigger breakdown on this game because we actually like something a little bit more. If you look at Coastal Carolina, nobody can deny what a great season they've had. Chad Wells, a tremendous uh, head coach. And I like Grayson McCall at quarterback. I like this Coastal Carolina team quite a bit. They came back and won against Troy in what was a really tough spot there last weekend. I should have bet Troy in that game. I didn't. Um, You know, if you look at this game, though, Louisiana has to be really motivated for this game. Why wouldn't they be? They've just lost the last two uh, title games that they played in against App State. Now they get a chance again. I know Coastal Carolina wants to win. I'm not saying that one team cares and the other team doesn't, but Louisiana is highly invested in this game. And I think if you look at the talent on both rosters, you give me the talent from Louisiana and you give me the talent from Coastal Carolina. I don't think there's any doubt that Louisiana has the more talented team. You get the more talented team and you give me three and a half points or plus 140 or plus 150 on the money line, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think I have to take Louisiana in this game because in that first game, yards per play basis, they outgained uh, Coastal Carolina by a decent amount. Coastal Carolina kind of played keep away in that game. Levi Lewis, a good quarterback for Louisiana, takes care of the ball pretty well. Two really good running backs for Louisiana, uh, Regis and Mitchell. I think uh, Louisiana has some revenge in mind in this game. And I really do think that uh, Coastal Carolina being as good a team as they are, um, you know, they've played a difficult schedule here down the stretch. They played that BYU game that they really got up for. They played Troy last week. Louisiana didn't play last week, so they had plenty of time to get ready for this game. I think Louisiana shows up ready to go here. Yeah, and unintentionally, I realize I'm wearing a Coastal Carolina hat as we're breaking <laughs> this game down. I just like the way the hat looks for what it's worth. But I do respect everything that the Chanticleers have done this season. I love Chadwell, but... Louisiana is the play for me in this game, plus the three and a half. We'll sprinkle the money line as well. This isn't a power ratings play. My number's three on this game. This one is in Conway, South Carolina on the teal turf. Coastal is the home team for this one. But for a couple of the reasons that you mentioned, 7.5 yards per play for Louisiana in the first game, 5.75 for Coastal. As you said, they played keep away. Second is that we talked a lot about Coastal Carolina this year. And one of the things I've harped on is that Coastal uses a lot of pre-snap motion. They confuse the defense. They get the defense out of position. Then they're able to be very efficient offensively. This is the first time that Coastal will play a team for the second time this season. So Louisiana knows what to expect. As you said, didn't play last week. More film study for an excellent head coach in Billy Napier. Maybe Coastal gets a bump because Chadwell's signed to stick around. Maybe Coastal's just that good. But I think a lot of factors are working in Louisiana's favor here, not the least of which, just what you said, that Coastal's had to play twice the last two weeks. Troy ran 81 offensive plays last week against them. So that defense has had a lot to go through over the last couple of weeks. They're going to have a lot to go through here with a Louisiana team that I think makes adjustments. Louisiana plus three and a half. Louisiana sprinkle on the money line. That's my thought here for the Sunbelt title game. 
Yep, we agree on this one, and I think uh, this should be a very close game. I think it'll be a, a game that you'll want to watch. And I think having three and a half points in the pocket in a game that really should come down to the wire is, is the way to go here. And and the money line price is pretty good as well. Coastal Carolina has gotten plenty of love in the betting markets here in recent weeks, and they deserve it. But Louisiana, we remember how good of a team they are. They went to Iowa State and won. This is a team that had really high hopes for this season. And, you know, this is their big game now. Uh, absolutely. So a consensus opinion from us here on the Sunbelt title game, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. Make sure you subscribe to the full editions of our ATS radio podcast. And of course, check out these highlight videos on our ATS YouTube channel. All right. So uh, we'll try to go through the rest of these games quickly here. Make sure we got plenty of time for college basketball. Clemson and Notre Dame. Clemson 10 or 10 and a half point favorite total 60 for this rematch. The first game, of course, double overtime, 87 points in that one. No Trevor Lawrence the first time around. Trevor Lawrence back here for this one. Neutral site game in Charlotte. What are you thinking? I'll make this one really quick. Uh, This is a tough one. I want to bet the under because of how how good these defensive coordinators are. Venables and Lee, both really good defensive coordinators. And as high scoring as that game was before, you wouldn't think that they would let that happen again. You know, they're going to come up with a better game plan. However, it is kind of hard to talk yourself into taking an under when Trevor Lawrence didn't play last time and they scored that many points. Um, Now he's playing and obviously that helps the offense. Notre Dame's defense has really played well down the stretch. And I think that's why we're seeing this line only at 10 and a half and we're seeing the total come down. I still don't know that I trust uh, Notre Dame to be able to keep up with Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, because I think Ian books a good, a good quarterback. Their, their running game at Notre Dame is, is not tremendous, but it's pretty good. Um, Clemson has a lot of firepower. I, I think, you know, if I had to take a side at 10 and a half, I would probably take Clemson. I would probably lean to the under here, but this is a really hard game to bet. I'm going to wait and see what happens with this line. I do like Clemson, though. My line on this game is 12, and that's even with giving Notre Dame some respect down the stretch here. And like I told you before we started recording, I think the single most impressive defensive performance of this college football season is what Notre Dame did to North Carolina, especially seeing what North Carolina has done to some of these other teams throughout the season and what they did last week, hanging 770 yards and 550 rushing yards on Miami. But... The first game was Clemson minus five and a half at Notre Dame. So we assume two and a half, three points, something like that for home field. And of course, a great site. I know people didn't like it because it was a COVID super spreader event or whatever when Notre Dame stormed the field and all that. But still, probably two and a half, three points at a minimum. All right, so that brings the line up to eight, eight and a half. You mean to tell me Trevor Lawrence is worth two and a half points to this number? Because I think that's dead wrong. I think Trevor Lawrence being back in this game not only gives Clemson some offensive confidence, but probably some defensive confidence as well. And what nobody seems to be talking about is that Notre Dame had to go, what, 91 yards to tie the game? Because they were going to lose this game in regulation to the backup quarterback. Clemson, for me, I think they make adjustments here. I'm not going to take 10 and a half if I can get 10, you know, kind of everywhere out there. But I do think that Clemson is the right side here in this rematch game. And I don't know what the fan situation is or anything like that. I don't know if it necessarily matters, but I don't see Clemson being as bad defensively as they were in that first game. And now they've got Lawrence back. So I think this line's going to end up being a little bit cheap when all is said and done. And uh, I also believe that Notre Dame deserves to be in the playoff, even if they lose this game. 
I was I was just going to ask you that question. It's like you knew what I was going to ask. Uh, because we've done we've done this show a time or two, right? right? I know it feels like you know we've done this for enough years that we know what the other person's thinking. Now, I mean, because I think that will be debated quite a bit. You know, if Clemson would happen to blow out Notre Dame, is Notre Dame still going to make it? I mean, Notre Dame has played really well this year, and I, I wouldn't consider myself a Notre Dame fan. I don't I don't hate Notre Dame, but um, you know, I think Notre Dame has really played well, and they they've played a pretty good schedule, and they they would deserve it. Uh, you know, even with a loss here in this game. However, it would serve them well not to get absolutely blown out in this game based on how many other teams are, you know, chomping at the bit to try to get that last spot. So, you know, Notre Dame needs a good showing even if they lose in this game. So, you know, I think Clemson is probably the right side. I'm kind of curious as I see the line here, is it possible we're going to get a 10? There's some reduced juice here in uh, Clemson at 10 and a half. I hope so. I'm I'm looking for 10. I'm hoping we get a 10. Uh, Again, you know, People are going to remember that Notre Dame beat Clemson. They're not going to remember that they needed that, you know, 90 whatever yard touchdown right. drive to beat Clemson. So, you know, I think Clemson is the right side there in that one. I don't think we'll spend much time on any on these next two games here. Tulsa and Cincinnati. Cincinnati laying 14, total 45 and a half. Uh, big spread, low total. You doing anything with this game? I, I'm not doing anything with this game. I considered playing under on the open on this one and then kind of said, well, I'm going to look at this game some more. And of course the total's down three points from then. So I'm going to pass on this one, but you know, the thing that concerned me with taking a low under in this game still concerns me. Uh, Cincinnati is going to try to run up the score if they can. I mean, they kind of have to, you can't blame them. And I will say, you know, I've kind of uh, been anti Desmond Ritter sometimes in the past. Ritter really has played well down the stretch. I mean, he's played tremendous football and that's why Cincinnati has been so much better than what they were in the past. Cincinnati usually was a team that they'd win solely with their defense. Their offense has been good here down the stretch. Tulsa is a lot better this year and they have a good defensive front. Um, you know, I would want to find a reason to take Tulsa here in a normal spot, but if you're giving me 14 or even some 13 and a halfs out there now, this is a, I can't take Tulsa at that number. I, I, I don't think that that's a good number at all to take Tulsa at. Um, I had this one at 15 and a half. So I've moved up Cincinnati a decent amount at the end of the season. I've been really impressed with them. Tulsa is a team that I've bet on a few times and have made some money with them. I think that Cincinnati has plenty of reasons to be up for this game, to just run up the score if they have any chance to. So I'd be cautious taking Tulsa, especially getting only two touchdowns or less. I got this one at 17. And I think the play here is if Cincinnati gets ahead, you live bet Cincinnati for exactly what you said. I mean, they're not going to let up in this game. They cannot afford to let up in this game. And I trust their offense more than Tulsa's. Even with this low scoring expectation, maybe a Tulsa team total under something like that, an alternative way to play this game. But if they look like they came to play and they look like they're motivated to run it up, then I think Cincinnati live, even taking a higher number than 14 uh, is probably the way that I would look in that one. Alabama laying 17 against Florida. And I laughed because I I can't power rate Alabama high enough. I, they're like 103.5 or something like that for me now. And my scale usually goes about, 30 to 100 i i don't know how florida stops them here i i don't i don't see i don't see florida getting off the field much 
No, I'm kind of upset with myself. When this one was 14, uh, when it early opened, I really should have taken Bama and just known that this thing was going to go to 17 and a half or 18 and just have a middle chance. You know, this one had to be going up in, in Bama's favor. Uh, at this point, though, I mean, what do you do with this game? I, I, I would want to take the over. You're sitting there seeing a 75. I mean, I can't get too excited to bet an over 75. Um, Florida should be able to score some points in this game. I don't know that Florida stops Bama much at all. I mean, is Bama going to punt? I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair question. I mean, Bama's offense is an absolute machine. Um, you know, this, this Bama team has really played extremely well. I think most people thought they'd be down a little bit from last year and, uh, or from what they were at the beginning of last year before Tua got hurt. And this, this team's even better. I mean, Bama is just really, really good. At this point, it'd be a surprise if anybody other than Bama wins the whole thing this year and I can't get in their way. So this, this, you can't set a number high enough that I would want to take Florida here. And Alabama doesn't even have Jalen Waddle. I I mean, Devontae Smith's having a monster year. Waddle might be better. They don't even have him. Like, I, I don't know over under half a punt for Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how they, I don't know how they don't score at least 50 points in this game. And maybe Florida is able to keep pace to a degree. I don't know, but a lot of talent on that field for both sides. That's for sure. But just not a lot of betting value either way. One more game to get to here, Boise state, San Jose state. This one at Sam Boyd stadium in Vegas, the adopted home now of the San Jose state Spartans. Boise is laying six and a half, 55 and a half the total here. And you and I've got a stronger opinion on this one. Yeah, it's not really a huge power ratings play for me, but I like San Jose State in this game. I wish I had taken the seven, and I wonder if seven might come back because we have some extra juice on six and a half some places. So I'm not going to bet this one right now because obviously, you know, if it drops to six, that's not near as important as if I could get it up to seven. So, you know, strategically, I'll wait for the seven and see if it comes or not. I really like San Jose State a lot. You know, they've proven people wrong throughout the course of the season. And Boise State, we've talked about them a decent amount this year. They've had some misleading final scores this season. Boise's offense isn't as good as they look. You know, they've scored a lot of points this year. But Boise State's offense has really not been that good. They're 60th in yards per play this year. I mean, you would think Boise State's offense would be a lot better than 60th in yards per play. Offensively running the football, 3.6 yards per carry. And San Jose State, you know, this is a defense that's improved immensely in past over past years. I really can't believe the change that uh, Brennan has done here. You know, San Jose State's defense can be thrown on a little bit here, so I could understand if somebody would want to take the over. Uh, San Jose State's 12th in the nation in yards per play this year. I know they didn't play that good of a schedule, but this is a good team. Um, really think that this is a smart, well-coached team for San Jose State. Not that Boise State's not not well coached, but, you know, you're going to give me this many points against a Boise State team that is not at full strength and really isn't as good as they've been in some of these last few seasons. Boise State is only plus 0.69 yards per play on the season. That's 38th in the country. San Jose State is plus 1.83. That's ninth in the country. When I saw that, I thought that was really interesting. I wouldn't have ever guessed San Jose State would be ninth in the country in yards per play margin. Just goes to show you that uh, Brennan has done a tremendous job here, and I could only take the San Jose State side. Yeah, like you, this isn't a big power ratings player or anything like that. I've got this one five and a half uh, in the neutral setting. And, I mean, look, maybe I could 
say that San Jose State probably should be more comfortable playing here at Sam Boyd than Boise State would. Uh, so maybe I could give San Jose State a point for quasi home field if I really wanted to. But Boise State's been through a lot this year. And I give Harson a lot of credit for, you know, being able to keep this team together. Most weeks they haven't even known who's going to start a quarterback or anything like that. But I, as, as much as it's really, it's going to sound stupid as hell to say this, but it almost feels like San Jose state is a team of destiny. Like it's just supposed to be them. I mean, this is a team that couldn't win six games over three seasons, not that long ago. And now they're here in the mountain West championship game. I mean, I don't know if this feels like old hat for Boise state or anything like that, but it's San Jose state or nothing for me. I I completely agree with what you're saying here. And uh, again, like you, I'll kind of wait and and hope for a seven, you know, and, and see if that is a number that pops up. So we will talk more about college football on tomorrow's show with Brad Powers, but a lot of good thoughts here on today's show already uh, with Kyle Hunter. So we transition over to the college basketball side of things here. And uh, we'll talk about a couple of games a little bit later on in the show, Furman and Winthrop one pretty far under the radar Gonzaga and Iowa one that's not far under the radar, but you know, again, with this early season here, things are just very out of whack. I mean, it's to a much higher degree than what we saw in college football where, you know, some teams didn't start their seasons until mid-October. In college basketball, some teams have played eight games. Some teams have played one game. Some teams haven't played a game at all yet. Some teams started and had to stop. And that's the starting point for us here talking college basketball. Yeah, scheduling this year is an absolute mess. Some teams played, like you said, a bunch of games, other teams that have played no games. I wanted to start off talking about the fact that this COVID pause, the teams that, you know, don't do anything for a little while. In college football, we saw some of these spots where teams that were in this situation actually ended up being uh, decent ones to back because the market went so hard against them that they overdid it. That has not been the case in college basketball so far this year. In fact, there have some, been some really, really poor uh, showings from teams coming back from that COVID pause or starting their first game after a COVID pause. I, I do not want to back teams like that, and I would really caution uh, listeners to not not bet those first games unless you want to bet against that team. We've seen some examples of the first couple games off a of COVID pause, uh, Florida against Army, and uh, certainly hope that Keontae Johnson keeps recovering. And uh, that was just uh, terrible uh, in that last game against Florida State. Hopefully he does fine and, uh, you know, is back and, and healthy before too long. But uh, Florida had a terrible showing in that first game against Army. They weren't even ready to go at all in that game. Army was ahead for most of the game. Even Tennessee in their first game against uh, Colorado. Colorado Uh, couldn't throw a rock in the ocean and Tennessee barely, uh, you know, could win the game. So I think that we've seen plenty of examples of teams really laying an egg in these first games off of COVID pause. I think basketball and football are such a different sport that, you know, you can't go in basketball for that long without practicing or, you know, getting together with your team and it not hurt you quite a bit. Um, Some teams on COVID pause right now, I just wanted to point out because, you know, uh, listeners could maybe look for some of these in the upcoming week or so. Virginia, UNLV, Pacific, Quinnipiac, Duquesne, DePaul, who hasn't played a game yet this year, Xavier, George Mason. There's plenty more, but those are some uh, that on the first game back, I would look to either bet against them or pass. I wouldn't want, want to bet on those teams. Well, another one is Stephen F. Austin. And I know you were about to yeah. send over a note on to me uh, for today's show. And then you mentioned that they're on the COVID pause. 
Yeah, I mean, basketball, it's such a rhythmic game. You know, you've got you got to be able to communicate on defense. you got to communicate a lot on offense as well. And it, it's a it's for I don't know how this is going to come across, but it, it's a very team oriented sport. You know, in football, if a wide receiver burns a DB, the quarterback can just throw it to him, you know, and, and you know, make a play and see what happens. You know, obviously the offensive line has to block for the running backs and, and all of that, but you know, you're blocking a guy that's right in front of you for the most part. College basketball, it is definitely different to get into that team concept to be able to gel and all of that. And I would presume that, you know, some of these teams too had massive turnover from last season to where a lot of these guys haven't played together for the most part. So teams on a COVID pause, definitely something worth keeping a very close eye on here. Uh, We will get to some notes in a couple of minutes, but you wanted to mention something that you saw over at Haslam Metrics, and we've been talking a lot about that site so far here this season, a great resource for all college basketball handicappers. And there was something you wanted to key in on there, one of the, one of the stats that they use. Uh, it seems like it's been pretty, pretty, excuse me, beneficial to you. Yeah, you know, I, I thought maybe we could um, do some of these uh throughout the course of the season where people can look for stats that maybe they didn't know about beforehand that can help make them a better handicapper, a better college basketball, better. And I'm um, saying better so many times that it's, it's starting to mess with me here. Um, you know, mid range attempts is what I'm looking at here on Haslam metrics. And, and it's important to point out Haslam metrics is completely free. So you don't have to pay anything to get over there. Um, you can look at M R A R on offense and defense. And what that is, is how many mid-range attempts that a team have out of 100 possessions. So you're looking at out of 100 possessions, how many of them will they end up with a mid-range attempt? And what you want here on this one, um, the analytics movement in college basketball is really leading to some of the better coaches trying to funnel teams into shooting these mid-range jumpers. I think this makes a lot of sense because those mid-range jumpers are tough shots usually. And even if you make them, that's still worth two points. It's worth the same as if you get to the basket and score two points. And you're less likely to get fouled on those mid-range shots than you are if you go to the basket. So you don't get the and one as much. It's a tougher shot. And the three-pointer obviously is worth one more point. So if you can shoot it pretty well from mid-range, you're hoping you can also make some three-pointers. So I wanted to say that I'd be really careful laying points with the team shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers against a good defense because those mid-range jumpers are tough shots when you're playing a good defense. And I'd rather be betting on teams that are giving up a bit, a bunch of mid-range uh, jumpers, but shooting it at the rim or from long range. So what you want is a team that can either get to the basket or a team that can shoot three as well. The team that's shooting too many mid-range jumpers are not teams that I want to be betting on. We've seen this in the NBA. We're starting to see this in college basketball to where uh, guys have decided, look, a three is worth more than two. It's pretty basic. And also uh, a layup's a lot easier shot than a mid-range shot. So, I mean, it's pretty fundamental, basic thing, but, you know, not too many people pay attention to this when they're handicapping. So I wanted to point this one out. No, I think this is excellent. I mean, this is right up my alley from, you know, coming from a baseball background where I'm very invested in sabermetrics where, from a seat like a season win total standpoint or something like that, I want to bet on teams that I know are fully invested in analytics. You know, teams like the Reds, teams like the um, like the Indians. You know, another team that's very invested in analytics. The Twins have been very invested in that over the last few years. Teams that aren't, you know, teams like the Rockies or you know, teams like the Mets that are kind of more of an old school style of team. I'm just inherently biased against those teams because they're not embracing the things that other people have found. 
and exactly what you're talking about here, your return on investment for a layup or a high percentage shot at the rim is vastly better than a mid-range jumper. Your return on investment shooting a three, which is worth a full point more, is a lot higher than your return on investment shooting a mid-range shot. So you think about you think when you think about this, you've kind of handicapped in a roundabout way things like shot selection at various points throughout your betting career. But this quantifies it a little bit more. It gives you more of a value on what that actually means. And I think those things are very important, very underrated. And I can tell you that they sure as hell are not factored into the line. So this is some next level handicapping stuff that I think will wind up being very profitable by the end of the season. Yeah, I think that it's something that more people will be paying attention to in the long run. So now if you if you start paying attention to it now, maybe you can get a bit of a jump start because these kinds of numbers are going to become more prevalent in handicapping college basketball. Uh, I know you've seen that with uh, to be the case in baseball. You know, a few years ago, nobody was paying attention to some of the numbers that you were looking at then. And now just about everybody knows about some of those kinds of numbers. And you kind of have to change the way you think because, you know, it's kind of priced into the marketplace. And right now, this is not priced into uh, college basketball lines. And, you know, Ken Palm is what the, the odds makers are using. This isn't on Ken Palm. So, um, you know, especially these under the radar games, I think that's a really good thing to be looking at is trying to find teams who are funneling the, the, the offense to try to shoot in the mid range and who on the other side are looking to get to the basket or shoot the three. Well, and for our listeners, that site again is Haslam metrics, H A S L A M E T R I C S. So Haslam metrics, of course you can find him on Twitter as well. Eric Haslam. Uh, is his name. So you can find him on Twitter. Then go ahead and go over to his site, which as Kyle said, completely free. Same thing as Bart Torvik's website. We we found some very good resources in college basketball, to say the least. Haslam metrics definitely being one of them. We got a bunch of notes to kind of pass along here, maybe doing rapid fire fashion just to make sure we're not running too long with today's show. But you've got some regression stats here, three teams that you're keeping an eye on. Yeah, I'll say this pretty quickly. Coppin State, extreme pace. This is a team that is playing so fast. Uh, Top five in the nation in tempo, but they are terrible shooting the ball. No offensive rebounds. I'll tell you what, I look like a dumbass when I took the Coppin State UMBC over the other day and they play to, you know, I don't know, 78 possessions or something like that. And it still goes way under the total because Coppin State couldn't do anything right on offense. But you know, they, they got back 23.6% of their misses last year. They're only getting back 15.4% of, of their misses this year. 0.869 points per possession so far this year on offense. Brutal shooting. And, I mean, even this team is going to shoot better than that in the long run. They're not going to be a good offense, but they're going to get more of their shots back, and they're going to shoot better than they have so far this year. So, um, you know, I think Coppin State overs are still a good way to look. And if, if they move the lines down because they had a couple low games, then then we're going to find some value on overs with Coppin State because they are going to have some games that get really high scoring. Because if you play at 80 possessions, then you're going to have some high scoring games, you know, even on accident. So Coppin State overs is what I'll be looking for. Niagara on offense. 25.7% from three and 34.7% from two. Uh, 25% from three is really bad. And 34.7% from two is, is extreme. Uh, they're 54.7% from the free throw line, which you could argue is worse than both of those things. They're going to improve. Um, this Niagara offense is not going to be really that good. 
but they've played three games and all against good defenses, St. Peter's in two games and Syracuse. If they make these Niagara totals low enough going forward, I think Niagara overs could have uh, some value here as well. So uh, that's two that I'm looking at for overs, uh, Niagara and Coppin State. And then finally, Utah State on defense. I think Utah State's defense should improve. They're missing many of the stars from last year. We know Merrill's gone. They still have Keita down low. Craig Smith's defenses have always been good in the past. You know, if you look at, at Utah State, this is a team that, to me, Utah State should be good. You know, I don't, I don't think that they're going to be a tremendous team. But defensively, uh, they're 279th in effective field goal percentage defense, according to Ken Palm so far this year. Last year, they were 45th. So we can't expect that kind of defense to continue for Utah State. And I think here, my favorite way to look at this would be to back Utah State in games coming up. So uh, they have some favorable matchups coming up to where I would think that they could blow some teams out. I think betting on Utah State could be a good look. No, I like those. Those are definitely good ones, especially those teams to look at for some lower overs. You know, a team like Niagara, I think, is one that – Makes a lot of sense. If I remember correctly, I think they've slowed down now, but didn't they used to move at a pretty good pace a few years ago? Yeah, yeah, they play slower than they did in the past, but they still have a really bad defense, so they should get some games that are higher scoring. Uh, I want to revisit one that I talked about last week, and you know, we had that one with Santa Clara last week where Cal Poly wound up covering the number. That was a nice one for us. I talked about it last Wednesday, but South Dakota State was shooting 46% from three through their first five games. They played three games in the Dakota Showcase last week uh, at neutral settings, but it's where the uh, Summit League Conference Championship or Conference Tournament, excuse me, is. So they're familiar with the backdrop. They've played there plenty of times before. They shot 30.8% from three in those three games. I think they were one and two against the spread. So if you paid attention to South Dakota State and some regression with their shooting numbers, you cashed a couple of tickets fading them last week. I got another one for you here this week that I think is really interesting. And I think, in fact, you wanted to talk about them last week. I think you had them in the notes, but we didn't get to it uh, in the interest of time. Opponents are shooting almost 45% from three against Western Kentucky. They shot 30% from three against the Hilltoppers last year. This year, though, 53.5% or excuse me, 45% on twos. Last year, 53.5%. So Western Kentucky's defense flipped. Last year, they were very good at defending the three, not good at defending the two. This year, it's the opposite, where opponents are shooting 45% from three and 45% from two. So that's something that should possibly regress a little bit for Western Kentucky. Yeah, and I think you could attribute some of that to um, Charles Bassey being healthy now. You know, the 6'11 shot blocker down low, he's third in the country in, in block percentage. So he's swatting away a lot down low. He missed a lot of last season. What I don't understand is why teams are shooting 45% from three, because I don't know why they would just be um, that much worse on defense everywhere else. Uh, I think the two-point defense will be better than what it was last year. I think the three-point defense will improve. And Western Kentucky is not playing all that fast. So I think you could make an argument for some unders coming up with them. You would think with how many years I've done this damn show, I'd be able to get numbers out, you know, without tripping over my words, but uh, apparently not there with that one. I found this to be a pretty interesting stat. And in fact, I think I'm going to play, make a play on Friday, you know, maybe with this in mind here, Rhode Island, when they've trailed in games this year, they've really tried to extend these games. They had 46 free throw attempts 
in the game against Arizona State that they lost 94 to 88. So they let Arizona State get to the line a lot. Boston College went to the line 34 times in a 69-64 loss for the Rams. Wisconsin went to the line 36 times. Western Kentucky went to the line 26 times. So Rhode Island, in their four losses this year, their opponents have averaged 35.5 free throw attempts. Davidson's a 75% free throw shooting team. They play on Friday. If you think Davidson can get the lead, I think they can take care of the cover at the free throw line. So Rhode Island really extending games when they're trailing late in the second half. Yeah, I think the question about this game is whether you think Davidson can beat Rhode Island or not, because Davidson has really not played very well this year. Um, McKillop's a really good coach. They just lost at home to Charlotte, 63-52. to Certainly a bad showing in that one. They also lost on a neutral against Texas, not a bad loss. And Providence, you know, they also had a tough time with High Point and UNLV. So I don't know if Davidson's as good as they've been in past seasons. That's my concern about this one, if you take Davidson. Um, as I don't even know if they will be in that spot, but I agree with you on Rhode Island. Uh, that may mean that there could be some good spots to take overs with Rhode Island, certainly too. And, uh, you know, since we mentioned Rhode Island, I have to say Fats Russell, I have to bring up him every time that we talk about Rhode Island, a great name and a really good player under the radar, really good, um, guy who distributes the ball well and can't shoot it as well. Yeah. Definitely uh, an all-name team member, to say the least. One more here, and, and this is a good segue into the back and fade segment where you got a couple of teams that you're kind of looking for here. Oakland is 0-7. I talked about this last week. They were playing Michigan State on the upcoming weekend. They also lost that game. Not really a big surprise. Oakland's seven losses are Xavier, Toledo, Bradley, Michigan, Purdue, Oklahoma State, and Michigan State, all pretty quality teams, to say the least. They start conference play on Saturday against UIC. Maybe you get some value here backing Oakland just because of how bad their statistical profile and their record looks here so far. Yeah, I think this is a good one to point out because uh, Campy is a good coach. Oakland's usually good on offense, and their offense has been really weak so far this year. I don't think their offense will be weak when they're playing league teams. So I think Oakland could be a good team to bet on. I also think they could be a good overs team going forward because they have been so inefficient on offense, and I don't think that will continue. All right, so who's a team that you're looking to back here in the near future? So here in the near future, uh, I mentioned Utah State, so I guess I kind of gave a bonus one there. But uh, the other teams that I'm, I'm looking to back, I'm going to back Northern Illinois. Uh, look, this is an ugly one, and I know that. You know, they're 0-5 ATS, but there has to be a buy point for any team. You know, you put a, uh, a number out there that's, that's big enough, you got to be able to take anybody. The markets will have crashed their opinion on this team. They just got blown out by Iowa. Iowa, um, they're a team that runs up the score on anybody that they can. They don't let off the gas. Fran McCaffrey's not that kind of coach. 0-5 ATS this year, Northern Illinois. They lost in overtime, a bad beat for Northern Illinois betters against Ball State. Uh, I think they have a get-right game against Chicago State here coming up next. Uh, Chicago State is next level bad, so Northern Illinois could be a good bet in that game. I, I'm a little bit worried about how many points we'll be laying with Northern Illinois in that game, though, because they're not really a team you want to lay points with. After that, though, they're going to be catching a lot of points early in MAC play. They're going to play some pretty good teams right off the bat. And I think them catching points could be a good look because the markets are so low on them right now. Yeah, again, like you said, there, there has to be a buy point for every team. And, you know, it was something that I was kind of thinking about um, 
in, in, I believe it was yesterday's game or maybe two days ago with Kansas State and Iowa State, where, you know, Kansas State had that well-publicized loss to Fort Hayes State. Not a good look at all whatsoever for the Wildcats, but, you know, it's kind of like in college football, and we talked about this early on in the year, when a team loses to an FCS team, it's like it's all that anybody remembers. It's the only thing that happened for that season. Nobody remembers anything else about that team for several weeks in a row other than, oh, yeah, they lost to, you know, whatever FCS team it was. Kansas State lost to Fort Hayes State, then goes on the road to Hilton Coliseum and beats Iowa State pretty handily last night. It's not a bad thing to look for some of those teams that maybe had a one-off awful performance against some terrible team or some lower division team and look to find some value on them. I thought that Iowa state line was too high at, you know, eight, eight and a half and Kansas state wins the game outright. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, you find one that everybody talks about. That's really an embarrassing showing. You also think that teams like that, um, if they are, still have some pride, you know, you would think they would show up in that next game. And like you said, they can have some long-term value because, you know, people are still going to remember that really bad loss. So I, I think that that is a good handicapping strategy, both in, in football and basketball. So um, going forward, continue to look at things like that. Here's a team that uh, I'm looking to fade in the long term. They don't play soon. Army's 4-0 ATS this year. They're due for regression on three-point shooting and their three-point defense. If you look at recent seasons, they're way ahead of that pace right now with similar players. I don't see any reason to think that Army has just gotten that much better um, three-point-wise on offense and defense. So to me, this is one where I'll be looking to fade Army when they come back because, number one, they're 4-0 ATS, so market opinion has to have moved up on them. Number two, uh, they have plenty of regression signs. Here's a question for you as a fade team that I kind of isolated, and and I want to get your thoughts on this one as we sort of transition to some games here coming up this week. Thursday night, Texas Tech plays Kansas. And on the season here, in the games Texas Tech has played, their opponents have .726 points per possession, .724, and .898. Now, according to Torvik, they played the 213th ranked schedule. And according to Ken Palm, the 293rd ranked schedule of offenses. Now, I know Chris Beard is a defensive genius. I know he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. But it's pretty clear that Texas Tech's defensive numbers are inflated a little bit right now based on who they've played. They play Kansas on Thursday night. You think you're looking to back the Jayhawks in that one? I'm looking to see what Ken Palm has for that number right now. Wow. Texas tech favored by two. Um, Yeah. I'd be curious to see what Bart has on that one too. Um, You know, this is, this is one where I wouldn't want to play minus five. Oh man. I hope that comes out of that. Um, Yeah. If they're, if they're five, I'm taking Kansas. I don't think that'll happen, but um, Texas tech is a team I'd rather be betting later in the season this year than I would early. And like you said, they've played such an easy slate of offenses. They have the number one ranked defense, according to Ken Palm and adjusted efficiency. But I mean, they forced a ton of turnovers, but when you play against teams like Sam Houston state, Northwestern state, Grambling, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you're going to force a lot of turnovers and your defense is going to look better. I think Kansas is a good team. Uh, you know, this is a Kansas team that also has played 
Gonzaga and Creighton in Kentucky. So certainly it played the much tougher schedule. Yes, if I was betting a side in that game, I would take Kansas. I don't think I would take Kansas if it was one or one and a half or two. But, you know, if it's four or five, I definitely would. Well, and as I see the overnight markets opening up, it is one and a half or two. Ah. So we'll see what happens with the line movement in that game. Maybe this one does kind of move uh, into a range that we're looking to play. One other team I want to ask you about real quickly here, and then we'll hit on these two games. I noticed that Northern Kentucky is really struggling defensively. Opponents shooting 58% on two-point shots. And according to Ken Palm, they've played the 161st ranked slate of opposing offenses. Is Northern Kentucky kind of, you know, falling back a little bit now, not having John Brannon? Yeah, I think that's very possible. Brannon was a pretty good defensive mind. Uh, They also lost some talented players, Walton and Sharp, from last year. So Northern Kentucky is, is a team that, you know, doesn't really have much height. If you look at them, they're 293rd in average height in the country. So they, they can't really defend the paint very well. And I think that's hurting them quite a bit here. Um, they're not playing with much pace. So I don't know if I see them as a great over team. They may be a good team to bet against because, you know, we don't know if Darren Horns is good a coach as Brandon was. And I don't know that he has as much talent as they had to work with here in the past. So Northern Kentucky, a team that I'd probably look to go uh, bet against if I was going to be doing anything with their games. Well, and the reason I ask is because a lot of people go into college basketball and just remember what they've most recently seen. And Northern Kentucky has been very good in the horizon the last few years. So they may just kind of take for granted that the Norse are, you know, as good as they've been in the past. And that is something that we try to caution on this show quite a bit is that don't expect these mid and low majors to be good year in and year out just because they were the previous couple of years. These teams do lose talent. They certainly lose coaches all the time. So you, know, you really don't want to just go into a conference play season or something like that, expecting the norm that we've seen the last couple of years to you know follow through once again. Right. And that, that's definitely a good point because a lot of people who don't pay that much attention to basketball then jump in, you know, and we'll talk about that more when it comes to early January and stuff like that. But still people slowly jump in this time of the year and they try to remember what they, what they've seen in the last couple of seasons. And a lot of these teams look a lot different. And I think you're right that Northern Kentucky is one of them. All right, so we take a look at a couple of games that are on your radar here for this week, and uh, there's always a reason that you want to talk about these games. There's always some handicapping angle, or sometimes it's even a little bit of a premium look ahead for you. And we look ahead to December 19th here for a game. If you have an ESPN Plus subscription, you can watch it between Furman and Winthrop, and this is one that's on your radar for this weekend. Yeah, and both of these teams are pretty good. So, you know, while it is under the radar a little bit, it's not, you know, we're not talking about two terrible teams here by any means. Uh, Furman probably should have beaten Alabama uh, last night on Tuesday night. Uh, Had a lead most of that game. Furman also had a real chance against Cincinnati. They haven't been able to finish the deal in either of those games. I think Furman's a really good team. The SoCon's a good conference. We've talked about that in the past. Most people don't realize how good of a conference it is. Winthrop lost to Furman last year, um, 80 to 73. And Furman actually had a pretty big lead in that game and then kind of let up at the end. And, and Winthrop made that game closer. The reason I wanted to look at this game is I think the over might good, be a good bet in this game. You know, Ken Palm has this one at 153. Bart Torvik has 151 and Haslametrics 149. 
if we can get 151 or so, I'm going to take the over in this game. If it comes out 153 like Ken Palm is, I'll have to pass on this one. But um, this is a possible premium look ahead. And uh, you can tweet me at Kyle Hunter Picks on Saturday. And if I played it or didn't play it, I'll let you know. Um, but this one might be a play. Last week, I knew I was going to take Marquette and UCLA under. Fortunately, that one did win. Um, Furman and Winthrop, I wouldn't say that I'm definite on taking this over, but this is one of the possibilities. You know, Furman is a team that's really pushing the pace a lot more this year than they were last year. One and a half seconds uh, per possession quicker. And Winthrop, even more, 2.3 seconds per possession quicker than last year. Last year's game was 72 possessions. You would assume this year's game would be faster than that. And if you assume 74, 75 possessions, they don't have to shoot that well for this to go over the total. So I think this is a good look to the over. What sort of discrepancy do you need in terms of, you know, playing a total because your number's off from the market? Yeah, early in the season, I, I usually have to have a little bit bigger discrepancy because, you know, it's it's hard to have your line exactly at what the odds makers are going to put it. I mean, the odds makers are going to put what Ken Palm has basically. So in most cases, but um, you know, in this one, I, I think if my line is, is more than two or three points off, I'm going to bet it. It's also different from game to game. Sometimes I have stronger opinions where even if it's not that far off my number, I know other people just say it's all about what their number is. I like to have some, um, you know, some of my own opinion into it. It's not just what, what my number says. So, you know, if this one's a couple or two and a half, three points off, I'll go ahead and take this. At the same time, if there's a, you know, a SWAC game that I don't know the two teams as much and it's two or two and a half points off the total, I probably wouldn't take it. So there is no number that's just set. But, you know, if it's within a point or a point and a half, I'll pass on this one. One other game for Saturday here and a much more high profile game between Gonzaga and Iowa. And this one is a neutral site game here. And the neutral site could have an impact on the handicap. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this game because, first of all, it's an amazing game. I hope this game gets played. Gonzaga's been on a COVID pause. Um, last I read, they're still thinking they can play this game. We talked about earlier, I'd be concerned about betting teams who have been on that COVID pause. I don't think it's a good thing to back them in that first game back. So, obviously, you know that I'd be leaning toward Iowa in this game. Uh, Ken Palm has Gonzaga by three here. Bart Torvik has Gonzaga by five. Um you know, I, to be honest with you, I think that Gonzaga is a team that the market's pretty high on. So we're going to find out how much the odds makers are going to adjust based on that COVID pause, because yeah, I think they really would have liked Gonzaga in this game in the past because Iowa hasn't played outside Iowa City in six games. Iowa's been running up the score on everybody. I also wanted to point out the total 171 on Ken Palm, 177 on Bart Torvik. I think 177 is closer to what it should be than 171. So I'm going to see what, what this total comes out at. Sanford Pentagon has been a gym that's leaned to the under. I can't take an under in this game. There's no way. If somebody else wants to take an under, you got to do it without me. I can't take it Gonzaga and Iowa under. Iowa's been so efficient on offense, playing much faster than they did last year. Gonzaga, I know Mark Few said before the season, this might be the best offensive team he's had. He's had a lot of good offenses. Uh, Gonzaga, he's been a little bit worried, hoping that they're going to up their game on defense. Uh, Garza should score a lot down low, a lot of second chance points in this game. I think this is going to be a really, really high scoring game, even with Sanford Pentagon. So, you know, I'll, I'll see if everybody who usually bets the under 
on these really high totals, you know, usually you can pretty much predict if, if a line comes out at 168 or something like that, somebody's going to bet the under and it's going to go down to 165. If the guy, if the line comes out at 123, somebody's going to bet it over and it's going to go up to 126 or 127. Let's see if those guys uh, want to bet the under in this game. If so, we might have an overplay here. A lot of excellent thoughts across college football and college basketball here with Kyle Hunter, professional better and handicapper from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, what's happening over at the website right now, man? So I just lowered the price here last night on the college basketball season pass. And just as we were talking, I saw somebody, somebody had just taken uh, advantage of that new low price. So appreciate everybody who's on board. And also, you know, even if you don't buy and you're a newsletter subscriber, or you just uh, tweet me, I know some of the listeners send me DMs or, or, or questions. I try to respond to everybody that I can uh, try to be very responsive. Appreciate everybody who listens to the show and uh, everybody who's uh, followed my work and, and uh, the fact that we've done this show now for such a long time, you know, I'm very appreciative of the loyal listenership. Um, 450 bucks for college basketball the rest of the season. If you don't want to pay, that's okay. I've got free plays over at huntersportspicks.com for the free pick newsletter. You can sign up there at the top of the page. Well, and as always, make sure you follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, man. Take care. There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Coming up on our Thursday edition of the show, we'll check more college football and some NFL with Brad Powers. Friday, my Circus Sports Million picks 40-29-1 and as we head into week 15 here. Point and a half out of the money. Hopefully going to have a big week here this weekend in the NFL. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.